Peace to you. Welcome to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. We are going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament, as we call it, Book of 1 Kings. We're at chapter 10, if you want to read along with me. Let's begin with verse 1. Now, when the king of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. So the queen of Sheba isn't named in the Bible. Um, you know, she's just called by her title as the Queen of Sheba. Other resources name her as Makida, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. As always, forgive me if I'm pronouncing any of these things correctly. Um, um, but that's, um, it's an area in Africa. Uh, Ethiopia specifically is where most um, most resources say she was the area, the area she was the queen of. Um, and... Um, other resources. Well, it will get into that further, but that's who we're talking about. And Solomon is King David's son, who's now the king. Now that David is gone. So the queen from one area, country, is visiting Solomon in another area uh, to question him. Verse 2. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So her kingdom was a rich one. If she's able to show up with those sorts of gifts, um, it sounds a lot like um, um, giving, uh, not taxes, tribute to another nation. Uh, but uh, there would be no need for that since he's not the king of that area. Um, so for whatever reason, she's gone there. Probably as a one of the things that people do when they visit people who have mystical in, uh, powers, ener energies to be able to read the future and that sort of thing, prophets and such, is take them a gift. So, um, modern times, basically, it's money. Um, but in ancient times, it would be anything valuable, it seems, from what it reads. And most likely, that's why she's taking it to him. Because uh, she has questions, and that's what you would do. Like, if you're going to a fortune teller, you go to them with a gift to, um, use their services or to make your avail yourself of their services so um, most likely that's why she's done it um but whatever the case may be clearly there she's wealthy because she's able to take um all those kinds of gifts and give them to him who's already a king verse three so solomon answered all her questions there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her so that's why one of the reasons solomon's called so wise in the Bible and in history because he has answers to so many different things that people come to him for the answers. Verse 4, And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, so now that she's arrived to him, asked the questions, he's got the answers, and she sees how he's living. Verse 5, The food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. So the way it reads is she's seeing how grand he's living and is taking her breath away. When she's gone there with uh, her questions, uh, she sees he's living large. And not just him, but all of his kingdom, as far as his servants even, are comfortable and living very, very well. Um, let's see, verse 6. Then... She said to the king, it was a true report which I heard of in my own land about your words and your wisdom. 
So she's telling Solomon, the rumors she heard about his wisdom were true. Verse 7, however, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. So she's saying there that he's even more wealthy and uh, than she realized and that she'd heard. The rumors were true, but the rumors didn't even get half the story right, that he's even more wealthy than that and wise than that. Verse 8, happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. So she's seeing that the people who serve Solomon are also very well off and very happy with him as ruler over them. Verse 9, blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. So Lord here, in all caps, is being translated, like we read before, from the name or uh, word Jehovah. Um, and so she's saying his Lord, the one she's wor he's worshiping as his God, is um, has um, done well for the people and for Solomon, just by judging from all that he surrounds himself with, his prosperity. Verse 10, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So he's very prosperous, and she's adding to his prosperity by bringing him gifts. So again, it's almost certainly because she's accessing his wisdom, and probably, according to other sources uh, that aren't in the Bible, it's mystical um, uh, um, knowledge that he also has on things that we basically call magic or um, black magic even, or even um, witchcraft, however you would want to think of it in being able to deal with the um, spirit world. Those are the things he's also known for. Again, not really mentioned all that much in the Bible, but other um, historical documents do go into that and how he even was um, um, had the ability to use demonics and um, to gain some of his knowledge and some of the things he could see and know. Verse 11, also the ships of Haram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almond wood and precious stones from Ophir. So um, other um, areas are also bringing him gifts, prosperous prosperity. They're lending to his prosperity with all the gifts and things they're giving to him and his kingdom. Verse 12, And the king made steps of the almond wood for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There never again came such almond wood, nor has the like been seen to this day. So unmatched prosperity is what Solomon was used to by all the different people donating to his wealth. Verse 13, now King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. So if you're reading in the New King James Version, that's what I'm using, um, you see that that sort of adds a break to the story of the Queen Solomon part of this chapter. But what's not mentioned there is the fact 
and, and is mentioned in other religions and in other historical documents that Solomon and her hooked up. And um, also it produced a child, a child who be, was the start of a kingdom that lasted all the way up until modern times, 1974, relatively modern times, or more recent than the last 50 years. Um, and you can look all that up yourself. Just do a search, um, something like uh, Solomon and Queen of Sheba's child. It's named, the child was named Menelik, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and it was the start of a Solomonic kingdom dynasty in Ethiopia. And then even other countries have uh, areas have claimed the Queen of Sheba, Makeda, or Maka, or however you pronounce it, as their, uh, her origin with them, like Yemen. Um, but whatever the case may be, clearly there are Af more African roots laid down in the Bible, though uh, modern white supremacist pulpits won't even mention such things. They don't bother to mention her name or the connection or the fact that there was offspring and a lineage that lasts even until modern times. Um, again, just the legacy of white supremacy where you whitewash so much of everything that anything of color gets whitewashed out sick. Um, and it's it's dishonest and it doesn't make any sense to just lump it into uh, critical race theory when it's just the facts, it's just the history. And if you aren't, if you're gonna believe one part of the history that's white and glorified, why is it so hard to believe the parts of history that are colored and glorified? And when I say colored, I don't mean it like in the old uh, segregation way. I mean, non-white, I mean, black, brown, whatever other colors there are, but you know, people. Verse 14, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. So there's the number 666, hmm, go figure. But in this case, it's not the um, Revelation 666. Instead, it's a weight of gold that Solomon is being, is receiving every year. That's Seems to me to be tons of weight, although I don't actually know how much a talent is. I don't remember, but of course you can search it and see. But it is clearly a lot. Verse 15, besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country. So lots of different areas are contributing to Solomon's wealth. Verse 16, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. So again, you can research the weight for yourself of a shekel and a talent. It's heavy, um, but that's what he's using. And it's so much gold, so much an abundance of the precious metals that he can even use that metal to make shields for his different soldiers. So it gives us an even clearer idea of how wealthy his kingdom is. Verse 17, he also made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. So more golden shields being uh, molded, created for uh, Solomon's kingdom and his servants. Um, and it, his kingdom is clearly extending even into Lebanon now. Verse 18, moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. So he's got a large ivory um, throne, um, which in modern times would be considered, you know, wasteful, outrageous, animal abuse, especially if the ivory is 
almost certainly from elephants. So killing elephants to make jewelry, killing elephants to make furniture, killing elephants, because you have to kill them basically to rip their hus tusks out and use that for whatever it is you're going to create. But, you know, people don't mind destroying everything. But, um, it, but also um, the tusks are used for medicine also that ivory in some cultures. So at least it's not all just for vain purposes. Um, but it's, it's a shame such nice creatures, elephants, have to suffer for human um, clashiness. Um, verse 19, the throne had six steps and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat and two lions stood beside the armrests. So it's giving us a description of what Solomon's throne looked like. Verse 20, 12 lions stood there on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. So also in steps leading up to the throne, he has lions, um, statues of them um, on e either side of the steps as you lead up to his um, throne. Um, 12 is probably because there were the 12 or so tribes um, or maybe just because there were six steps. I don't know. Uh, but that's what it's a description of his uh, throne room, basically. Verse 21. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver. For this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. So he was so wealthy that everything basically was gilded, all like having a golden toilet seat, like, you know, someone recently has or was reported to have had. In, in Solomon's case, there's so much gold um, that silver was considered kind of worthless. So they just use gold for pretty much everything. Verse 22, for the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Haram once every Three years, merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So lots of different things being brought to him. Why he'd want apes and monkeys, I'm not sure. Uh, in some um, some um, versions of the scripture, instead of reading monkeys, reads peacocks. Whatever it is, he's got so all sorts of exotic animals being brought to him. And I guess that would be the case, just like in modern times where people get pet boa constrictors and stuff at their house and sometimes the snake eats them or tries to eat them um if you remember recently you can search that also someone did a whole stunt of letting a snake eat him alive literally um and people are just sick with some of the crazy things they do but um some people will even sleep with their snake and have a giant snake sleeping next to them. I saw a story where someone was wondering, or wrote into wherever I saw that, with a question of why does the their pet boa constrictor keep um, laying next to them, stretching itself out at night, laying all alongside them when they go to sleep? And they thought it was cute that the snake would do that. But the person who answered, the animal specialist, told them the snake is doing that because it's stretching itself to make sure that it can eat her or him, eat the person completely. It stretches itself out because it has incredible muscle control so that it knows now I'm long enough, I'm big enough, I can go ahead and eat you. 
So it, that's why the snake is doing that. And people are so ridiculous, they still do it. It's crazy. Even with their children around the house. Verse 23, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. So he's so wealthy, he was the wealthiest with basically gold everywhere. Verse 24, now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. So um, his wealth was well known, but also his wisdom was so well known that um, people from all over would come to get close to him and see what it is he has to say. And now it switched in this verse from saying Lord, in all caps, to God, which is the capital G. And there it's being translated from the word Elohim with the lowercase e, um, you know, like we read before. So just something to consider in these translations to English. Verse 25, each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. So regularly, Solomon was receiving these gifts from people from all around the world. No wonder he was so wealthy. Verse 26, and Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. So he's um, also got a huge army um, surrounding him uh, and protecting him, presumably. Verse 27, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. So gold was so abundant that silver was basically counted as nothing, so that the point that so that it got to the point where silver was extremely common. So in modern times, people might have their fine silver uh, dinnerware or teapots and so forth. But in Solomon's day, it was so common that even the regular people, the non-royalty, even had it. Uh, silver as their everyday eating utensils and surroundings. And the same thing with the precious trees that were used for the construction of the temple and the surrounding houses an abundance of all of the above. Verse 28. Also, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva. The king's merchants brought them in Kiva at the current price. So um, it's saying current price as in current as of the time that apparently this was documented, not current as in 2023 prices. Um, but um, Solomon also had an abundance in that as well, in livestock and horses. Verse 29, now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150. And thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So it sounds like a modern day um, uh, car salesman. Uh, uh, Solomon has got all these equipment, these resources flowing into him that he began to sell the chariots, the cars, basically that's what it is, that's how people are getting around, um, cars with the horse to go with them um, and exporting them like you would export uh, any other vehicle to the neighboring areas. So that also adds to his wealth and his name and the number of people and trying to seek him for different things, his wisdom, his wealth, and even his vehicles.
That was the last verse in this chapter, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth again. God willing, see you next time. Stay safe. I love you. Peace be with you.